Hey, everybody. Here's a teaser from today's episode. When I started practicing 26 years ago, I would have never thought, ever, that I would be treating 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, men and women. It's common for me, common now, for a 23-year-old woman to come and sit in that chair right there, tell me that she has no libido, she doesn't care about sex, and her freaking free testosterone, biologically active free testosterone, is that of a postmenopausal woman. Welcome to the Mindful Medicina Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeanette Daniels. I'm a naturopathic medical doctor on a mission to inspire a renewed confidence in the intelligence of the human body. And joining the conversation today is my friend and colleague, Janelle Hartman, lymphatic and colon hydrotherapist, esteemed yoga teacher of teachers, and the co-producer of this show. Dr. Todd Cameron is a naturopathic physician and co-founder of Cameron Wellness and Spa in Salt Lake City, Utah. Dr. Cameron obtained a nursing degree from the University of Utah College of Nursing in 1990. He went on to earn his doctorate in naturopathic medicine from the National University of Natural Medicine before completing a residency at Portland Naturopathic Clinic and an internship at McKay D. Hospital in Ogden, Utah. He has more than 25 years of experience providing alternative medicine to treat a wide range of acute and chronic conditions. Dr. Cameron holds a deep respect for the conventional medicine and recognizes that while it is often necessary, it is not the only solution. In 1997, he founded the Cameron Wellness Center with the goal of giving individuals a positive choice in their health care through natural alternatives for treatment. Dr. Cameron specializes in treating PMS, menopause, hypothyroidism, pain syndromes, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, colds, migraines, cancer, flu, minor injuries, and more. By using skillful techniques and modern technology, he provides many cutting-edge therapies and services, including naturopathic medicine, IV therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, platelet-rich plasma injections, and pain management solutions. Welcome, Dr. Todd Cameron. I'm so excited to have you today. How are you? Thank you. (laughs) Dr. Cameron was my residency mentor, and, um, you know, I was with him for two years in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I learned so much. In fact, everything that I do in my work now has to do with, you know, my time there and the skill set that I gained there, probably more than medical school. (laughs) So yeah, so we wanted to have you on today because we want to pick your brain on the hormone front because we just did an episode on testosterone and we titled that basically to T-shot or not. And so, you know, we know that you've been doing bioidentical hormone replacement for your patients for maybe what, 20 plus years? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 20. Mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of your continuing education is in, in the hormone front, on the hormone front of things. So, and I think Dr., uh, what is it, Neil Rousier is one of your mentors. So, yeah, we, Neil is definitely my main mentor since about 2003, but certainly not the only one. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so I know that he sees things a certain way and, and, and that you value his perspective and, and this is how you counsel your patients on hormones. And then uh, from being with you for two years, I followed suit and, and do things quite similarly. And so um, I thought it would be great to piggyback that, you know, that conversation on testosterone by having you on. So thank you so much for coming uh, on the show today. My pleasure. So... Uh, <laughs> we'll just start with the basics. So why do you do bioidentical hormone replacement in your clinic? Why is it such a valuable medicine for you with the people that you see? Um, the short version is that 
as we age, obviously our our hormones go down. In the olden days, when I was just starting, uh, it, it was very, it was not well understood that testosterone went down with age, because the total testosterone doesn't change that much in a lot of people, but it's the free testosterone. So once we start, once scientific evidence started piling up with looking at the free testosterone, it became extremely obvious that as we age, men and women, testosterone drops precipitously. But in this day and age, unfortunately, uh, with all of the endocrine disruptive chemicals, I have measured in the past almost two years, I have measured only three people that have an optimum, not normal, optimum uh, amount of testosterone. So it, it's, you know, if we want, there's six main reasons why I do hormone replacement therapy, especially with uh, females, but with men as well. And it's to, to protect the brain from dementia, the heart from an attack, the vessels from a stroke, the bones from a head fracture, I, uh, protect against cancer, don't cause it, protect it, and type 2 diabetes. So those are the six main reasons. Mm-hmm. And going off of what you just said, uh, that it doesn't cause cancer but prevents it, how do you address that question when patients are nervous about taking estrogen, for example, if they've had a past diagnosis of breast cancer? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first thing I say is that if if hormones caused cancer, none of us would live past 30 because in between 18 and 23, statistically, we are at the apogee of testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, DHEA. Um, and if we do not supplement afterwards, that's as high as we're ever going to be, right? And when we were, when we were the healthiest is in between 18 and 23. So it stands to reason that hormone replacement therapy later on in life can only increase cellular function that has uh, receptor sites to these sex hormones. And in estradiol in particular is a really curious one. Um, in the scientific literature, there is exceedingly strong evidence proving that there is one drug to treat estrogen-sensitive breast cancer, and it's estradiol. Mm. And it's in the oncological literature. This is not my opinion. This is not Dr. Neil Rousier's opinion. It is in the scientific literature. So because of certain, uh, there's been, unfortunately, a variety of studies that have been funded by large pharmaceutical companies, the HERS trial, the PEPI trial, there's all these trials, the the most the single most cited trial to help doctors and women avoid postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy because it causes problems is what's known as the Women's Health Initiative (WHI). It's very infamous. It cost a billion dollars to do. It was funded by large pharmaceutical companies, and they stopped the study, stating that. We had to because there was a 26% increase in breast cancer in the women that were doing uh, the, the treatment rather than the uh, controls. Okay, so over the years, since 2003, uh, you know, I've been studying with Dr. Rousier, and we, the reason why I've picked him as my main, I've studied with a lot of other entities, you know, pretty much all of them, really. Um, uh, it, it, he breaks the science down more than anybody else I've ever studied with. And when you break the Women's Health Initiative trial down, I won't go into too much detail for your listeners, but the findings that they came up with are erroneous, misleading, and wrong. Not to mention, they in the study, they used the words estradiol and progesterone, but what they actually used was Premarin and Depo-Provera. Premarin is a contraction of pregnant Mary urine, and Provera, Depo-Provera, is medroxyprogesterone. It doesn't exist in nature. But I must admit, if I was a woman and I could not get any other estrogen other than Premarin, I'd do it. Mm. I would do it. 
It's just that you don't have to because you have estradiol available to you, right? So I teach, teach, teach. Jeanette knows this more than anyone else because if I don't, they're still teaching in medical schools information from like the Women's Health Initiative trial and the TOM trial, which is testosterone in older men. And this is erroneous information. So you can basically say, and I know this sounds like almost a conspiracy statement, but I've been studying this stuff since 1996. And I can tell you that studies that were funded by large pharmaceutical companies always show a negative outcome. But studies that are coming from research institutions that are honestly looking at, you know, uh, the, the outcomes, they're, they're, here, here's just one, they, they end up being positive studies. So, for example, to date, there is not one negative outcome study in women postmenopausally using progesterone and estradiol. There is not one negative study. So to help my patients understand that I'm trying to protect them against estradiol, especially when we talk about breast cancer, I show them Avram Blooming's book, Dr. Avram Blooming, whose wife uh, was diagnosed with estrogen positive cancer when she was 45 years old. And he's actually an oncologist in the UK. And so he did a very deep dive into estrogen, uh, specifically estradiol. And he discovered that there's all this, he wrote a whole book about it. Um, it. It's called Estrogen Matters, and it's spelt in the English way, so it's O-E instead of E. Um, and the whole book is about <laughs> how you can treat an estrogen-positive breast cancer with estradiol. Unbelievable. Because it pushes mm -hmm. the difference. It pushes the undifferentiated cell, which is a cancer cell, into differentiation. And if it doesn't do that, it convinces the cell to commit suicide. That's called apoptosis. So either way you win. I mean, why would you not do that? It's in their own scientific literature. And again, this is not Todd Cameron's opinion. It's in their scientific literature. But instead, what they do is they put uh, women on tamoxifen. And it 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 takes their femininity away. Their, their vaginas dry up. They're at a logarithmically higher risk of dementia, heart attack, stroke, type 2 diabetes, hip fractures. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. But do you think that you can convince an oncologist to give an estrogen positive breast cancer patient estradiol? Mm -mm. No mm -mm. point. No. no. Yeah. Yeah, but there's... it's in their own oncological literature. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, I mean, that, that is a really awesome, I guess, standpoint, you know, and explanation for why and how estradiol specifically is not dangerous um, for causing breast cancer or increasing risk of it. In fact, sometimes can even help heal that. So what do you think um, is the number one reason that people come in to see you for hormones, is it because you have uh, more of the menopausal-aged clientele coming in, or are you finding yourself treating people who are premenopause and or how about the men? What are you Why, doing? Why, Dr. Daniil, are you suggesting I'm getting old? <laughs> you are, I am too. I am getting old, yes, no. Uh, it, it's, it, you know as well as I do after having worked with me, it's, it's word of mouth. I mean, when people start feeling and looking better, when their sex drive comes up, when they realize that they can actually grow bone, that their bones aren't getting thinner, they're, and some people actually even getting thicker, not even being maintained, um, but, but thickening, um, you know, they, they're thinking more clearly, they have a more zest for life. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it, the word gets around. And one family member tells another family member, one friend tells, tells another friend. And before you know it, they're coming in very curious about uh, hormone replacement therapy. And then, of course, that brings up the conversation about what type of science is out there and what is very meaningful and what is misleading and all that. So it, it comes down to it comes down to education. Um, but 
it's and you know this as well, Dr. Daniels, because you spent two years with me. I am very passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm passionate about what I do is because it works and it helps people go longer and stronger. I just tell people, look, I want you to be on your game until about two to three weeks before you gain your wings and then you go down fast. <laughs> just get, get out of here, you know? But, but until that time, you know, I want that sparkle in your eye and that little bump in your step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and I know from working with you that you do, you have a route of administration that does not involve pellets or injectables. And so I wanted to ask about that because that's sort of the, the, buzz, the buzz conversation going around these days is, you know, hey, can I get some estradiol in a pellet? And, you know, will this testosterone shot work better? What is your motivation for, you know, offering the testosterone in cream as opposed to a pellet or a shot, for example? Um, that is a a wide and deep subject. So I'm going to just truncate it, Mm -hmm. like give you the cliff notes. Um, and again, it's coming from the scientific literature. It's not coming from my opinion. Um, when you use pellets, you're actually going to be using a human bioidentical form of hormone. And I agree with that but you can't adjust it. So once that pellet is in, and if your nipples start hurting like crazy, you just have to suffer. Put some tape over them and put your bra on and and wait it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And using the injections, that, you know, that is, comes down to testosterone, but it's not actually human bioidentical testosterone. It's testosterone, either cypionate or there's another couple of products on the market. And again, you can't, and, inge- you know, once you shoot it in, it's in there. Now, is it going to interact with the testosterone receptor side? Of course it is. Um, and it will, but but it's going to spike. You're going to have a lot more. And then do we have long-term studies on testosterone cypionate? No, we do not. We've got studies on human bioidentical, just plain old ordinary testosterone that go back before 1940. I mean, Abraham Morgenthaler in the androgen study group I encourage everybody out there to go to the androgenstudygroup.com and look at what Morgenthaler did, especially after the testosterone in older men study came out in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is a bunch of baloney. So it's, it's, uh, the cream and testosterone. So, so what I'm trying to do as someone ages is I'm trying to emulate their 23 to 25 per age year old self. And one of the best ways to do that with testosterone is to do a cream twice a day, which you absorb. Um, I actually encourage women if they if they're not allergic to to use it in the vulvar area, and I encourage men to use it in the scrotal area if they're if they're older. You know, we can differentiate an older to a younger man treatment because that's completely different. But you know, as we're aging, um, and and in in a woman. It is the, and this again, it's the scientific literature, it's not my opinion, it's the oral estradiol, not the transdermal estradiol. Because a lot of women will say, can't you just put it all in one trochee under my tongue? Or just, can't you just stick it in a cream and let me just do it you know, once a day? And I said, yes, I can do that. But it's my job to inform you that that is not the gold standard, okay? According to the scientific literature, the, this, the gold standard is testosterone in a cream twice daily, estradiol in the morning in a capsule form and progesterone in a capsule at night. Now, why, why that? Well, one of the main things that happen as women age is insomnia, right? And if you're getting less sleep in the deeper, you know, like in stage four and REM and the deeper stages of sleep, you're not going to produce the same amount of growth hormone now granted if somebody my age is not going to produce the amount of growth hormone that somebody your guys' age are doing that's not going to happen but if i get better sleep i can spend more time in the deeper reaches and i'm going to have more growth hormone production right mm-hmm. so i have my patients postmenopausal women anyway on testosterone cream and the reason why the vulvar area is my favorite is because 
not only for sensitivity and, and pleasure, but no, I mean, it's like, look, you know, a woman that's had three, four, five babies and she sneezes and coughs and squirts urine is pissed mm-hmm. and, you know, embarrassed when she's out in public and it's, you know, it's a pain in the butt. And, and I can tell you that we have a couple of machines here in my clinic that can really help with that. But so will the testosterone in that area. It, it will help not only the vaginal health, um, thickening the vaginal wall, making the vagina younger, basically, but it will also help the musculature in the area, especially if they're going to do their exercises, Kegel exercises, then it, it's just, that's the bomb diggity, right? And DHEA, because I use a lot of dehydroepiendosterone, DHEA is kind of, they consider it the mother of all hormone because you, you we make a bunch of it. As a matter of fact, we make more DHEA than we do testosterone, estradiol, or progesterone. And, uh, you know, we make it in our adrenal glands. Okay. So it can be turned in. The body can take that and turn it into any other steroid sex hormone they want. They can, it can turn it into estradiol. It can turn it into progesterone. It can turn it into uh, testosterone. It's only three enzymatic steps away from testosterone. But itself, is it's a very, very strong and active hormone. You can look it up. Uh, and... Uh, one, one of the best places to get education on all this stuff, you guys, is, is YouTube. Uh, and you type in uh, Neil Ruzier's name, R-O-U-Z is in zebra, I-E-R, Dr. Neil Ruzier. And you can just spend hours learning from his uh, lectures and his interviews and stuff like that. And he's like me. He's getting old and grizzly. So, you know, thankfully they've been <laughs> recorded. <laughs> mm, talking about sleep, I have male patients who are in andropause, they definitely don't get any good sleep. Would you ever prescribe progesterone to male patients? And if so, if not, why why not? Absolutely not. Because there is one camp, I call them camps, right? So there's, I'm part of the Rosanian camp, but I've also studied with professional compounding companies of America and American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and Life Extension Foundation and even Terry Hertog from Belgium. The Hertogs back in the 90s were huge. Um, and others. I just found Neil in 2003. And after at 10.30 in the morning on a two-and-a-half-day thing, I called my wife and I said, okay, I found my guy. Because he does the science like nobody I've ever met, right? What, and again, this is the literature. This is not my opinion. Progesterone in you guys, in women, mm-hmm. is anti-inflammatory. But in men, it's inflammatory. Hmm. So I learned from, I think it was, maybe I shouldn't drop names at this point. When I was at one of the camps years years back, um, and, and then after talking to some of my compounding pharmacies, I learned that a small dose of progesterone in men will increase testosterone production. Well, but duh, it's a freaking precursor to everything so sure the problem is is you know i don't want to cause more inflammation in men mm-hmm. so i don't use progesterone in men um i was very tempted many years ago after talking to um a compounding pharmacist that i have a whole lot of respect for um and i i didn't start doing it but at the next uh conference with Neil, I, you know, I pulled him aside and I said, Hey, can you address this? And he goes, Oh yeah. Because it was starting to be kind of a thing. And that was coming from one of the camps that are big into saliva testing rather than blood testing, which is, I think another thing you guys Mm -hmm. are going to want to know about. But Mm so it basically is not, it's anti-inflammatory in you guys, but in us at men, it's, it's yeah no it's it's a problem even in small doses it can increase inflammatory response. Oh, okay, so uh, the estrogen, the estradiol specifically, we know that it helps reverse atherosclerosis and prevent it. Um, and so, my question was: we know that is in oral form. All the research on that. Would you say that pellet form of estradiol would have the same cardiovascular protection or no? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. I don't, I don't, I've never seen any research on that that mm-hmm. I'm aware of. I was just going to say to clarify the pellet 
is something that is inserted into the flesh. So this is just for listeners yes, that may not is, be familiar. It's like a shot. Okay. It's an injection. Mm-hmm. They they uh, impregnate the pellet with uh, the hormones and then they inject it in there. I see. Thank you for mm-hmm. the clarification. Um, and you'd wear so, you'd have that for about three months, I believe, before you'd remove it. And um, you know, I mean, they say own. that it's you know that it evenly distributes throughout the 90 days or whatever it is. Uh, but again, I, I like what you were saying is like one, one, when you do something like that, you can't control the level or the intolerance or the symptoms that you might have, you know. So you just end up having right. to uh, abort. <laughs> and the, and the, thing that I, the thing I hear the most of that pisses women off is, damn, my nipples hurt. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it except for put a freaking Band-Aid over it and put the bra on tight. And if you'll allow just one more um, explanation for our, our listeners, atherosclerosis, please define. Oh, pl- plaque in um, the there's, arteries. There's arteriosclerosis. Yeah, there's two forms. There's athro and arteriosclerosis. One of them is hardening of the arteries with calcium. Uh, by the way, we're taught, when we went to med school, we were all taught a woman, especially if she's aging, postmenopausally, should be taking, what is it? Jeanette, 12 or 1,500 milligrams of calcium a day, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, Dr. Tom Levy, L-E-V-Y, Dr. Tom Levy wrote a whole book on this called Death by Calcium. Oh. And it shows that the calcium you take supplementally does not end up in your bones. It ends up in your arteries. So one form of arterial plaque is inside of the wall of the artery and that's hardening of the arteries and do you remember in med school i don't know i ta'd meds i I ta'd anatomy for two years in med school and when you're removing an aorta from a cadaver to to teach the students you know like what Mm -hmm. tubes people with hardening of the arteries you take your big you know the scissors we used to use as an emt i was an emt and we you know to cut clothes off the big scissors Mm -hmm. you know and you have those in the lab to cut the aorta, and it sounds like you're cutting through glass. Mm-hmm. And so you want you don't want you don't want the calcium in the freaking mm-hmm. arteries. You want. Yeah, I never prescribe calcium. Good. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I can't promise you where the calcium is going to go. To be quite honest, I mean, obviously K two can help mitigate that, but uh, again, you know, it'd yeah, be D- conjecture. D- D- mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean that's so that's the minimum. Is dietary your only recommendation for supplementation mm-hmm. with calcium? Then it is mine. Mm, I, yeah, you know, same here. Green leafy vegetables. I yeah. mean, cook up a big bag of spinach and put it in your fridge and dollop it on there. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's probably certain forms of calcium that people wouldn't, but I I don't know. It, Tom Levy's book, book is very compelling, and it's about this. Uh, well, you know, it's a it's a couple hundred pages thick. Oh, you had me at the title. Um, and I, and I, I forget. I'm sorry, Jeanette. I, I don't even know. You should go back to the question you had asked me before. And no, it's okay. I mean, I just wanted to clarify, um, you know, the, I guess the cardiovascular profile protection profile of oral estradiol relative to pellets. Um, and so, you know, and I guess you answered it. You said... We don't really have any evidence or research to indicate that the pellet version of estradiol would have a cardiovascular um, protective profile at this point. Not, not that I am personally aware of. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm just not aware of any of the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a convenient uh, method, uh, putting the pellet in, and a lot of people love that because they can just get going and go to work and, and deal with life and, and not have to worry about putting, you know, I guess doing the oral prescription every morning, et cetera. So um, it was definitely something that I wanted to come to the answer to. And I think we'll have to wait for, for the research to come out on, you know, how protective the pellet is for, for women. Sure. I, I will say, I will say one thing, because I do have a lot of women that have concerns, uh, about how much they spend per month on their their hormone replacement therapy, and I and I fully understand that. Um, and in these individuals, um, I will certainly condescend. I will do whatever they want me to do. I I don't do the pellets in my clinic, but um, you know if they if they want me to put all of the hormones into one delivery, like a like an under the tongue trochee or a cream, if that's 
the only way that they can do it, that's a lot better than not doing it at all. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot better than not doing it at all. You're at least getting some brain, heart, vessels, and bone protection. Yes, mm-hmm. meeting them some, where they're no. at. Mm-hmm. And have you seen any herbal uh, blends and or supplements to help you know, mitigate some of the deficiencies in hormones? Um, you know, maybe, for example, Vitex or Tribulus regarding testosterone levels specifically on the Tribulus? Uh, Vitex is great. I use Vitex in young adolescent women that have PMS. That's where I start. If that doesn't work, I'll go to progesterone because progesterone is incredibly sedate uh, for, you know, like even in high doses. Um, in, in the herb, you know, so I will, it, it, occasionally what I will do is I'll get a woman that is like, for whatever reason, this happens less and less as my as I get older, but they just don't want to use any pharmacological anything, even if it's naturally, quote unquote, human bioenergical hormones. They just they they don't want to do it. And it's like, well, okay, Dong Kwai, Black Kohash, you know, Vitex, Maca, you know, uh Yeah, that's that'll help with the hot flashes and night sweats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's not protective. So I've, I've never, ever seen any herb in a, uh, you know, aging woman <laughs> restore. And, and I know what I, know, I want my numbers to be. I know what's protective, right? And most people can get there. Some can't. You know, testosterone can cause cystic acne in people, even if you're 65. And if you have a susceptibility to that, that's a bummer deal. You know, you got I got to keep those those levels down a little bit. But which brings me to another point I want to bring up: why I adjust up slowly. But in, especially when it comes to testosterone, this is that we we are not in Kansas anymore when it comes to testosterone. We have so many bad chemicals in our environment that I, I mentioned before: three people in almost two years that have an optimal amount of thyroid. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Because normal doesn't equal optimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no such thing as normal range of testosterone in either men or women, because the levels over the years have come down so much. Because when you do a bell curve in a 90th percentile to find your reference range, you know, so guess, guess what a reference range from, from LabCorp is in an adult woman, your guys' age. Hmm. Zero. It starts it starts at 0.0. Mm-hmm. It drives me nuts. That pretty much says everything. Like, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, normal zero? Okay. <laughs> wow. Thanks. So guys guys that are young and want to have families, you know, they're 20, 21, 25, 27, 20, whatever, um, I won't put them on testosterone. And the reason why is because it will decrease spermatogenesis. And from the 1950s till now, we're at about, what, 50, 60%, something like that. I don't even know. I haven't looked into it for about 10 years, so I don't even know where we are. But it's low. And if I give them testosterone, it's going to take over for their testes, and then they're going to produce less sperm. So if they want to continue to you know, either have more children or start a family, uh, one choice is um, giving them a little bit higher levels of DHEA, building them up, starting them at 25, going to 50, going to 75, going to 100, of DHEA, which is dehydroepiandosterone, a precursor to testosterone. And the best herb, and, and tribulus is great, fenugreek is great, but the best one I found is Tonkat Ali. Hmm. Um, that seems a combination of Tonkat Ali daily and DHEA tends to bring uh, the younger guys, you know, 20, 25 years old, um, it'll, it, and if they're, if they're pushing iron at the gym, they'll, their testosterone will come up. Now, how much will it come up? Well, that's the $64 question. That's why you have to take your blood again, because you don't know, but certainly they can tell you, Hey, you know, my libido's up. Hey, you know, I'm doing better at the gym. My mood's lighter. I'm, you know what? I'm at work. I'm thinking more clearly. I'm just happier. I'm a happier person. So I had a burning question on because I have a hard time with this. I go back and forth, you know, if, you know, my thought is if if the body makes it, don't take it. So when do you apply that philosophy with hormones? I don't because everybody's low. I got um, it. Mm-hmm. it it's, so, it's so heartbreaking to me. I mean, when I started practicing 26 years ago, I would have never thought ever 
that I would be treating 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, men and women. It's common for me, common now, for a 23-year-old woman to come and sit in that chair right there, tell me that she has no libido, she doesn't care about sex, and her freaking free testosterone, biologically active free testosterone, is that of a postmenopausal woman, like 0.6 or something like that. This is the chemistry or chemicals in our environment. And so when it comes to people that say, you know, you know, like those, the women that say, look, I, you know, I know you've told me all about this, this hormone replacement therapy. I get it. I trust you. I know it's not dangerous, but I just, I just can't wrap my head around doing some kind of hormone. And it's like, well, then don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do it. Um, do, do your, don't cry. Do your, you know, black cohosh, you know, shadowberry. I got shadowberry on the shelf right out here. We'll do that and see if that helps. Um, it, you know, like Jeanette just said, you know, you meet them where they are, you know, and some people are just not okay. So our job as physicians is to educate, educate, educate. And one of the reasons is because people get so much misinformation through quote unquote experts um, I mean, you, you would think, you you would think that an endocrinologist would be the expert in testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, DHEA. No, mm-hmm. no, not unless they have studied it, like Neil has and others. Then they're not. Mm-hmm. They will tell you they are, but it's consensus bias. It's just like an oncologist saying, "No, I'm." A, I got to put you on tamoxifen. You can't touch any estrogen. It's like, well, have you read your own studies on estradiol? Uh, What are you talking about? Well, let me tell you, you know, but they don't ever ask that, do they? And then when you put them on bioidentical hormones and their levels go into optimal range, the endocrinologist is freaked out saying they have too much, too many hormones. That's why, that's why. But they feel great. My patients don't. You're like, yeah, and don't they share this. They feel great. They're a lot healthier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you do um, the, when you test for hormone levels, are you a fan of serum or saliva for testing? I'm a fan of serum only because, uh, and I, and I, I've, I have two colleagues that I graduated with that work with the major saliva company up in Oregon. And I have a lot of respect for those people. Um, you know, but, but in the medical literature, there is no correlation between saliva and serum levels. But we have, we have studies in serum levels that go way back into the early 1900s. So we don't have that same amount of studies in saliva. And the other thing about saliva is I remember reading a study, uh, whoa, many years ago. Um, and it was just a, uh, just a one person progesterone saliva study, but, and, and it was, it wasn't really even a study. It was just a, a report. But after that, I started looking around and found more similar quote unquote reports. And uh, you can give a woman who has very low progesterone, one dose of progesterone and her saliva level will stay high for days. Um, in, and the, the people that prefer saliva, their, their argument is, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a better representation as to what is in the tissue than, than this, the serum study. Well, Neil's been looking into this for 30-plus years, and we can't find any evidence to corroborate that, like to show that. And if, if I can't find, so if I can't, I, but I will say I do, I do salivary testing, not all the time, but I do it, especially with cortisol, but I do it even with hormones if certain things are happening, if certain weird stuff's going on. But um, there's, just, there's just no strong evidence and there's no correlation between the serum and the and the saliva. And so I find that physicians 
and pharmacists that are on the saliva side of things underdose. But they all think I overdose. Yeah. Well, good. Let them think that. Because <laughs> in the famous words of Jackie Chan, I don't give a chick. <laughs> I mean, you're treating the person, not the lab work anyways. And so, um, you know, I know that <laughs> Dr. Ruzi has said before, you know, if if I told you how much um, thyroid medication I had my best friend on, I'd probably lose my license. <laughs> yeah, he's... Well, that, see, yeah. that's true. With, that's true, especially with T3 and testosterone, because testosterone is a... It's a scheduled medication, so it's a controlled substance. And so I, that's why I have to educate, educate, because the the reference ranges are so ridiculously low that when you're treating somebody and trying to get them to a quote-unquote optimal range, on paper, it looks like they're all high. Well, so you ask the patient how they're feeling, not only about their libido and their mood and their cognition, um, but you're also asking them, well, you know, have you been starting bar fights? You know, I mean, are, do you get pissed off at people? Are you pushing people the wrong way? Are you rubbing them raw? And, you know, people nine times out of 10 will go, no, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Because androgens, the HEA and testosterone, are, are happy molecules. The only reason they're controlled, well, DHEA is, of course, over the counter. But the only reason why testosterone is controlled is because um, gym rats will take way too much of it and their heart explodes after a while. And then it's like, oh, see, that's bad. We got to control that. The FD says, oh, that's bad. We got to control that. And it's like, well, you have, so I, to get back to a point I wanted to make before, and and Dr. Daniels can tell you that I've said this 10,000 times in the two years she spent with me, I start low, go slow. And with hormones, the reason why I start low, go slow is because all of our hormones in our body that have, like, for example, testosterone receptor sites, it's not just our genitalia, of course, it's our cardiovascular system, our muscles, our brains. There's lots and lots of cells in our body that uh, that have testosterone receptors. So if you, as you're aging or as the bad chemicals in the environment are dragging it down and your levels are coming down, those cells are going to, they're going to grow more receptor sites. They're going to upregulate. It's called cellular uh, receptor site upregulation. Well, of course they are. Why? Well, because if you got a hundred balls on the, on the baseball field, a couple of mitts is all you need to catch a ball. But what if you have one or two? Well, the more mitts you have, better chance you got to catch a ball, right? Pretty simple. So I take at least a month by titrating people up from a low amount to not the amount that I think they're, they should be at, but to a higher amount because they make four upward titrations over the four weeks of the month. Then we take their blood again. Then at that point in time, I feel confident that the that we've titrated the receptor sites down pretty well and I can move as quickly as possible. I do the same thing with all the sex hormones, although with estradiol, progesterone, or DHEA, it's usually a capsule. I will sometimes put DHEA in the testosterone, um, but I discovered, this is something I just discovered not not a year ago. Uh, I it So I have people that live out of the country, and so they'll want six months worth of testosterone because that's all we can prescribe, right, Jeanette? Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, yeah. Because of the FDA. Um, and then we have to test their blood again. Um, but DHA will degrade in, in some of these bases. And I didn't really realize that. I think you're good for one to three months is no problem, but you go four or five, six months and the DHA absorb, you know, it goes down. So for those individuals that live out of country or that, you know, like to fill six months at a time, I put their, I just have them buy DHA over the counter. Yeah. And degrades and creams. Mm. Mm. So, um, I get this question asked all the time. Um, okay, well, it's, it's you know, this is great. I'm ready to do this bioidentical hormone replacement uh, therapy, but will I need to be on this forever? <laughs> yep. No, no, not forever. Just tell you, die. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is, this is the front look, I'm telling you. So, you... 
So what happens to doctors like Jeanette, I'm sure this has happened to you, you know, probably not as many times as it's happened to me, but we'll take a woman, for example, she comes back or she calls you on the phone. Oh, I just went and had my pap and my gynecologist said, oh my gosh, you got to stop those hormones. You're going to die of cancer. And they freak out. And then they call me. And then we have the same conversations we had about 10,000 times over the years I've been treating her. But they, but their doctor freaks them out, right? <laughs> so Neil would make the joke, you know, as we're in conference and he's walking up and down the aisles and he'd go, yes, Mrs. Jones, please, please stop your hormones if you want dementia, a heart attack, a stroke, a broken hip, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. Please stop your hormones. <laughs> that like sum, summarizes the entire conversation today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicely put. <laughs> so um, I noticed that you guys, since I've been a, a resident uh, for you, you've moved to another location and I was able to right. stop by and see that about a month ago. It's gorgeous. Um, and you have some really fun new equipment and I wanted to dive into that a little bit because I've never heard of it. Um, and it sounds super promising, but you have technology called Alma Duo, uh, which boasts the ability to increase uh, sexual enhancement, vaginal rejuvenation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm sure everyone is... It's, it started, <laughs> for, for those of you that have a medical background, you might have heard the word lithotripsy, which is uh, using sound waves to break up kidney stones. And that started in the 70s, about... 10 years before I was a nurse, something like that. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a sound wave that's propagated down into the body. The duo uses a lot newer technology and it's been FDA approved for the last couple of years in the United States. It's been in Europe for 12 years. Um, and what it does is it the, the sound wave itself, the acoustic signal, it's a pop, 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 pop sort of sound, a silicone head filled with water that, you know, the sound propagates through. And then it goes down into your tissue six inches. It's one of the reasons why it's the best thing on the market, because the other the other similar machines go like millimeters, you know, maybe a centimeter into the tissue. This goes freaking six inches into so, um, so that's why you can use it for vaginal health and, and, you know, of course, uh, you know, uh, erectile dysfunction. And so what happens is a process called cavitation. Cavitation is what happens on the backside of a submarine propeller that in, in negative pressure, it, the seawater will boil at cold temperatures because of negative pressure. If you, if you fill a glass with water, put a cap on it, suck all the atmosphere out of it, it'll just sit there and boil. Mm -hmm. at, at room temperature um so that's what happens in the tissue and you do this micro damage and then your body comes in and heals it and you get better blood flow is basically what you get so men get firmer erections women get more uh sensation mm -hmm. and better vaginal health we also have a femi lift um and it, it is truly one of the more frustrating things for aging women to be coughing and sneezing and squirting urine. And that's just so frustrating. Mm -hmm. So what the Femilift is, um, uh, only doctors or nurse practitioners can use this because it's a CO2 laser. I mean, it's a powerful machine. It will ablate a face and make you look 20, 30 years younger, but you're not going to want to go out in public for two to four weeks after you get the ablation because, I mean, it ablates you. You look like you just had your face burned off. And in fact, you did. <laughs> but then the collagen, you know, the collagen comes back and you grow it all back. And it's just incredible. Hmm. In a vagina, it's only a three-day downtime. It so fascinates me. So you can do the same ablation uh, intravaginally. You do two passes. And you're moving fast because that CO2 laser, laser gets hot. Um, and it is the best thing we have to rejuvenate. We have we have three ways of, of doing vaginal rejuvenation as an, in an aging woman. One of them is uh, a it's a substance from fibroblast growth factors called AQ. A is in Allen. Q is in it, it. He's a 
Middle East uh, uh, scientist. I can't even pronounce his last name. Uh, Ahmed something or other, AQ. You can go to YouTube and look it up. AQ Skin Solutions, AQ Vaginal Rejuvenation System. Um, and then we have the the uh, Femilift, which is we've had, I mean, and, and then the Duo. And using the Duo, using any three of those techniques, we've never seen it not work. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on how, you know, how bad the the situation is, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds I mean, like I've even had guys with uh, old school prostatectomies where the nerves have been cut. Um, you know, and they have to pump to get an erection and then band, mm-hmm. which is fine. That that works. Um, but they're they're they become firmer mm-hmm. because more blood gets in there. Mm-hmm. So um, the the Alma Duo, there's a lot of information online there. You do uh, two treatments a week for three weeks, and then with the Femi Lift, and, and then you might come back in six months, whatever. It depends on what you get out of it. But then in the Femi Lift, the Femi Lift is absolutely incredible. Um, it's like two or maybe three treatments, and then you wait and see what happens. Wow. Great combination with some bioidentical hormones, of course. Yep. I mean, the way I put it to my patients is that I feel that we're outliving our hormone production. And so really we do need some intervention and some support. And I'm, I'm right there with you that, you know, once you're in menopause or andropause, um, you're going to need this support, um, not forever, but until you die. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So is, is there anything else uh, fun and exciting going on at the Cameron Wellness Center and spa that we should hear about? Um. I mean, we're definitely going to put in the show notes these awesome treatments you just mentioned, the three of them. So anyone in uh, Utah can can get to you guys. Well, you know, I mean, I'm still doing all the same stuff I do. You know, we have we have a, a an IV suite dedicated to IVs. It's it's on the campus, um, but it, it it's an outbuilding. Um, that's that's the only thing that is a little uncomfortable for me. I want to be near my IV patients. Um, so I have to kind of strut out there, uh, every, every day to check on people, how they're Mm -hmm. doing. Um, or if every once in a while I don't have an MA, so I got to run the IV suite. Right. So, and that's okay. Um, so we're doing a lot of, you know, high dose vitamin C, glutathione, ozone with uh, ultraviolet light. Uh, we're treating a lot of people with long haul COVID. It's not that hard to treat if you ask me, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, who knows what any kind of acute or chronic illness tends to be, you know, you know, we can generally speaking, we can kick it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a few problem children. There always are. But uh, but not not many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have an extensive IV uh, program there and tons of options there and. Everything I learned about IV, I learned from you. So I want to thank you. Hey, did you want to know about hot flashes before we go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we go into uh, just, <laughs> it's the nemesis for women, right? Uh, in menopause and, you know, perimenopause. So what the heck is happening there? What um, causes it? Well, so it's a vasomotor response, right? And they it kind of the, the process originates in the hypothalamus. Um, there's these neurons called they call them candies. I, I'm not making that up because um, it's a kiss peptin. I'm not making that up either. Kiss peptin, <laughs> neuro, <laughs> neurokinin B, uh, dinorofin, and they play a role in temperature control. So to keep your temperature controlled. Estradiol, usually estrogens, and neurokinin B, they want a certain balance. And, you know, when you age and your estradiol production goes down, you get out of balance. And so the candy neurons in the hypothalamus tell the body that you're hot when you're not. Hmm. And then you, then your body pushes the blood from the deep inner uh, recesses of the body where it's about 100 and 100 degrees 
uh, out to the surface, and now your surface neurons feel like you're hot, and then you start to sweat. And then you'll get really cold because all of your inner heat, not all, but a lot of the inner heat goes out. So, that, yeah, that's what's the most frustrating thing for women. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I throw the covers off and I put them on and I throw them off and I put them on. Well, that's why is because because <laughs> the 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 balance between a neurokinabine and estrogen is goofy when you're menopausal. And so your hypothalamus is is neuro the candy cells are sending you goofy messages and so your body doesn't you're you're basically your hypothalamus is lying to your body (laughs) traitor but your but your body trusts the hypothalamus Mm -hmm. so it believes it and does what it's supposed to do which is to shed heat Mm -hmm. now give me a blanket (laughs) Boy, I just, progesterone is amazing. That's my favorite hormone to date with regard to women. I just, it's just the profile. There's no negative side effects to it. And um, it's just really mitigates so many of these symptoms of menopause. I love it. I have, uh, I'll put somebody on progesterone before I'll put them on estradiol if they're perimenopausal. Mm -hmm. I have a 95-year-old woman on 600 milligrams of progesterone at night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the most the most I've ever given anybody uh, to stop ovulation for uh, endometriosis was 1,300, 1,300 a day. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it takes and, and that I'm much. To- I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd even go higher if I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful medicine. And I had a question about exercise and the role of exercise in balancing hormones, especially with, you know, increasing testosterone or what are your thoughts on that and, and its role in this aging process? Uh, it, it's again, the, the literature is very clear that um, resistance exercise mm-hmm. um, will increase testosterone production. Mm-hmm. The, there's a lack of, there's a reduction in return on that as you age. So an 18-year-old who goes to the gym doesn't take Toncatelli, doesn't take DHEA, doesn't take fenugreek, doesn't take um, tribulus, uh, but but pushes hard, they'll, their, their testosterone will come up a little bit. But... 25, 30 years ago, it would have come up more than it does today because there's so dang many endocrine disruptive molecules. Mm-hmm. But if if somebody who's, and so that's what I tell my younger guys to do. It's like, look, you're, you're working out anyway, um, but you're not where you, you know, you want to be or you should be at your age. Um, so just, you know, add a little, you know, I, I, I start with DHEA and then Tomcat Ali. And then there's a couple of products on the market. I don't sell them here. Uh, you know, with the fenugreek and the and the uh, tribulus, and then there's like, I think some amino acids and stuff in there too. And I mean, it, it, it does, you know, for sure, it does increase it. But again, when we start talking about reference ranges, normal ranges, and and optimal ranges, you know what I'll do more times than not, you guys, if it's a young man who's got a steady job, uh, wants to have a family and can afford it. I just prescribe pregnal. I just prescribe human chorionic gonadotropin injections every day. And they start with 10 units. They go to 20 units. They go to 30 and 40 units. And at 40 units, we pull their blood and their testosterone is higher. Is it high enough? It depends on the mass of the guy. If the guy's my size, 157 pounds, soaking wet, probably that's all he needs. But if he's like twice my mass, no, he's going to need more mm. HCG, human chorionic a But I mean, it works great because it increases spermatogenesis. It increases their ability to start the family that they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just twice as much a month or more. Yeah, and bioidentical hormones in general aren't covered by insurance. So that's... 
That's a tough thing. Mm. That's sort of a limiting uh, factor when it comes to some of my patients. Is you know they're they're on the hormones for a few months, six months, a year, and they're like, I just can't afford it anymore. So someday I hope that changes, so so people can get the medicine they need and have it covered. Mm. But that's uh, a pipe dream, perhaps. You think? That, <laughs> yeah, you think. You think. You would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much, Todd. Yeah, thanks a lot. That was amazing. Yeah. We hope this conversation has empowered you. Remember, you are unique and you are a miracle. Your body doesn't make mistakes, it responds perfectly to an imperfect environment. Until next time, go get that life.